the Lord. Um, we are studying in the mornings on the subject of faith and the spirit of faith. And evenings, we are having Holy Ghost meetings. So we're studying on faith, spirit of faith, how faith works. And uh, years ago, somebody gave me a uh, uh, one of those books, and the title of the book is called How Stuff Works. So that's where I got the, uh, I tore one of the chapters out. I've got it right here, actually. Um, uh, and I got this chapter out of that book called How Stuff Works. And I got this one on how nuclear power works. Uh, so basically it tells you what's necessary to make a nuclear bomb. So I studied it a while and didn't know if I was going to make one yet, but I was going to study it a while. <laughs> and so you really cannot make a nuclear bomb out of stuff that's just kind of in the backyard in the garage. You have to have this special substance called uranium-235. You got to have a special substance. And faith is the substance. And faith actually is a substance, spiritual substance. And faith is a substance. I like what uh, one translation says of uh, Romans. Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But um, one translation says, faith gives substance to our hopes. So whatever your hopes or your dreams or your expectation, one translation says, faith turns dreams into deeds. I just say faith turns dreams into reality. So faith, so, so to study how faith works. Well, this said, if you got uranium 235 and, and, uh, and then you got to enrich the uranium and, uh, then you enrich it to 3% for just like, you know, electricity. But if you want to make a bomb, you have to enrich it to, I think it says 96%. So in the enriching process, which is what they try to control if any nation say, well, we want uh, uranium nuclear power, but we just want it, you know, for civilian use and for electricity. So the only way you can control that is you have to, uh, you have to monitor the enriching process. So even though if you have the substance, uranium-235, for it to have a weapons, a weapons grade quality, you have to enrich it from 3% to 97%. And so sometimes people do have the substance of faith. But to enrich that substance, that faith, then you enrich it by, you know, it tells you exactly how the enriching process is. You can like just Google that if you want. The enriching process to get it from 3% to 97%. And so I think right now, Iran, it was given, you know, the, uh, the okay by our government to have you um, nuclear power, but to try to maintain it only at civilian, um, right? So it could only be enriched to 3%. But then the uh, uh, Iranians, the government, um, refused to allow the United Nations to monitor the enriching process. So who knows how far they've enriched it, which becomes a tremendous threat 
to Israel. So uh, they, somebody said they enriched it to uh, 65% at this point. And so if you see any Israeli jets going that direction in the news and nobody knows why, that's why. Because one, one nuclear bomb uh, could be devastating to a little nation of Israel. So the, the, the enriching process, so how you do it. So this just tells you how stuff works, you know, and so it's really a cool little chapter here. And I think that's just the name of the book. It's called How Stuff Works. So I got this one out. And so I got fascinated with studying this because even though you do have faith, Jude verse 20 says you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you're basically enriching. One translation says enriching your faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. In other words, praying in the Holy Ghost does not give you faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But there's something about the Holy Ghost and praying the Holy Ghost that will enrich your faith to take you from a 3% civilian use to 96% weapons grade uranium. All right. So, so for people to know that they have faith and you're not saying they don't have faith, actually Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen said he told the Lord. He's reading Mark 11, 22, and 23, and 24. And, and, um, and he still had six incurable diseases or seven incurable diseases. And, and he, said, um, he said, Lord, I do have faith. I do believe. He said, if you told me I don't believe, I would say, dear Lord Jesus, that is wrong because I do believe. He said, and the Lord said to him, you do believe as far as you know. So every breakthrough in faith will be a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But if you want your faith to literally be built up and to be enriched to take you to another level. He said, I'm going to show you some things about faith that you have never seen before. Praise the Lord. So if you want your faith to go from 3% civilian possibility, electricity, to something that becomes a major threat to the devil, <laughs> you're, going to have to, you're going to have to learn some things about the substance of faith. Amen. And so they use uranium-235 because it can, be, it can be activated anytime you want. All right, let's try it one more time. I'm throwing what Brother Copeland said about Oral Roberts. He said um, he's uh, the first man that I ever knew that actually used his faith on purpose. That means you can pull the trigger and activate this substance every morning, every afternoon, every evening, whenever you choose. He said, and once that is activated, if it's weapons grade, he said, he said, if it's weapons grade here, he said, then it would be, it would be explosive, a meltdown of power in a picosecond. Well, I didn't know what a picosecond is. I probably didn't even pronounce it right the first time I read it. I said, a picosecond, I mean... I know my wife can't get ready that fast. But anyway, by a picosecond, 
What is a picosecond? Well, this says a picosecond is one millionth of a millionth of a second. Pretty fast. Fast you blink your eye. In a million of a millionth of a second. So the example of seeing that activated would be in Acts chapter 14 where Paul preached the gospel. He must have been pretty good and knows, has revelation of the gospel. And he's preaching the gospel. And there was a man there that was crippled from his mother's womb who never had walked. And Paul perceived he had faith to be healed. So there's not really any of the nine gifts of the Spirit in operation, but Paul, just by spiritual, uh, his spirit knew. He saw this guy, that guy's receiving the word, his face lit up, and Paul perceived he had faith to be healed. Well, where did he get faith to be healed? I mean, was that some sort of a big secret? No, he got it from hearing Paul preach the gospel. So the, any church that would say, uh, well, we just preach the gospel. We don't lay hands on the sick. In other words, the gospel, in the gospel, if all he would have gotten, you know, they said we just get people saved, you know. If all that's in the gospel would have been getting saved, no, you can go to heaven, then that guy would have got faith to what? Be saved. But there must be something in the gospel that made that man think that he could be healed. All right? And so Paul's just preaching the gospel. So the Lord said something to me like this. He said, the same power that's in the events of the gospel, the center of the gospel, the word of his power, the same power that's in the event or the same power that raised Christ from the dead, how much power was that? Well, you can just do a little study on that, Ephesians chapter 1, how much power, and Paul was so impressed with what happened in the resurrection of Christ that God released enough power so that Jesus didn't just overcome physical death. Come on, God released enough power. Greatest display of power in the history of the world is the resurrection of Christ. Greater than creation itself, which began with an explosion. That's why every atom, every molecule has energy in it. Tremendous power so that when you split that atom, tremendous heat, light, and energy can come out of that. All right? So while Paul's preaching the gospel, he looked around and he sees this guy, crippled, who never had walked. Amen? And so it says Paul uh, saw this man and he perceived he had faith to be healed, where did he get the faith to be healed? Must have been from the gospel that Paul was preaching. And so now he's got the substance to do what? Creative power. So he's got that substance and Paul sees him and, and Paul gets right in front of him and says what? It says he said with a loud voice. All right, he said with a loud voice. So what's he doing? Here's the way Dad Hagen explained it. He's holding that man in the arena of faith. Because you can't let him slip back to his intellect, to his reasoning, to how he's feeling, to his own personal experience. He slips back to that. Come on, and, and he's not going to be able to receive. So Paul hollered at him, 
Amen. And what did he say? Y'all don't know what he said. He hollered at him. And he said, stand up right on your feet. He says, the man leaped and walked. What happened? A picosecond. In other words, Paul didn't say, well, you're going to get better and better and better. You know, nothing wrong with that, right? But this guy who never had walked the power that raised Christ from the dead, come on, which not only saves you and redeems you, makes you a new creature in Christ, but the power also that by Jesus' stripes we were healed so that you would have faith in the power of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. So the gospel contains that power. So when you look at the process of, of how stuff works, you know, I'm kind of the way that I don't really just, just want to see something working. I like to know how it works. And so sometimes I work on old cars or something like that, old truck. And, and so you, if you take it to a mechanic or you say, now, how does that work? And if you don't have things in their place, sometimes just a wire. Yeah, I know some people have a loose wire. But if you have a, just a wire <laughs> loose, come on, you got all this stuff and it don't work. So that brings people to the point, well, it don't work. Well, now the, the faith works. Amen. But in this case, how are you going to take your faith uh, from 3% to 97%? Amen. How are you going to do that? Well, he said it needs to be enriched, right? So you would say the revelation, knowledge is where faith comes from. So revelation, and then, then that knowledge or revelation, in other words, Dad Hagen was believing but just as far as he knew. So every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in how stuff works. And the one great cross-section is Acts 14. And another favorite cross-section for me would be in uh, The Woman with the Issue of Blood, Mark chapter 5. So in this book on how stuff works, then they have another chapter, one of my, one of my favorite. It, it tells you how an aircraft carrier works. Well, you've probably been on some aircraft carriers, you know, uh, the one we went on in San Diego, so we used for different illustrations. But you can go down different carriers, like 5,000 uh, people, and you go down to different levels. And so, so they cut the aircraft carrier in half, and they shows you what's happening here, what's happening on this level, what's happening on this level, what's happening on that level, what's happening on the top level. All the stuff down on this level is so what happens on the top level. Amen. In other words, just one American aircraft carrier can show up. Amen. And you got you got nuclear power and everything. And so those are used to endeavor to keep rogue people like our Russian friends, um, to keep them from just doing whatever they want. Y'all still here? All right, so if you had an aircraft carrier, you'd get a cross-section. So look at a cross-section of a miracle, how faith works. From uh, Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, what happened? She heard of Jesus. Well, to me, that's where faith begins. What's the first thing that happened after she heard of Jesus? She said, now she's releasing her faith. 
she said. And if you study it, it means she kept on saying. And she released her face specifically, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. Right? Now, I would use it in, in another level for 15 years or of going to Brother Hagin's Holy Ghost meetings or something. If he's going to lay hands on people, then I would just simply, I would, before I got there, when I got there, I'd say, if he starts laying hands on people, I believe I receive the anointing. He can get three feet of me and I already got it working. Amen. And if I get close enough for a slap or a hand and lay hands on me, I believe I receive. And what did she say? All I need is one touch. And one touch, right? So she said it, and then she did it, pressed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and then she what? Felt in her body. In other words, faith comes before feeling. But if you have faith, you ought to feel something every now and then. In other words, you've got the Spirit of God living in you. And, man, you know, you say, boy, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Well, you're still walking by faith, but it's the faith that comes, and you've got the saying and the action. She's moving. Pressed through the crowd. She touched. And what at that point, the cross section is she received the anointing. So sometimes if I'm laying hands on people, if people receive the anointing, it actually multiplies. I guess I, 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 it gets so strong, I can't even stand up. The anointing, amen, <laughs> the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, amen. It's the anointing that does the work. So if you go to that point and you're not receiving the anointing, right, so... And I can tell when they receive it because it says she felt in her body. And it says, and Jesus felt the anointing go out of him. Same anointing works the same way. So I could feel that anointing if people receive it. And, and I can feel if they don't receive it. If they will receive it, it's the anointing that does the work. Amen. So how are they going to receive it? Well, you're going to see the cross-section of exactly how faith works in one miracle. Classic miracle. One with the issue of blood. Amen. Everybody knows it. But Jesus felt the power of God, the anointing, go out of him. And that's why he turned about and said, who touched me? Well, what did the disciples say? Well, Lord, everybody is touching you. Right? Now, Jesus really never asks stupid questions. If he's asking you some, there is a reason why he's asking you that question. So he never asks stupid questions. In other words, the woman that's your blood, Mark chapter 5, right? When she touched, in other words, the anointing went in her. She felt in her body she was healed. One touch would be like a picosecond. She activated that power. And she felt in her body. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is tangible. Um, it will register on your senses. Amen. And it will change your countenance. Amen. It'll change your life when you receive that anointing. So when he, he turned about in the press to see who had touched him. 
right? So apparently a bunch of people touching him, but he turned about, all right? So one translation says he studied the faces in the crowd to see who made contact with him. So Jesus didn't have a word of knowledge. He didn't know it. So all he did is turned about, studied the faces. And when he saw her, in other words, when you receive the anointing of the power of God, it literally will light you up. It'll change your countenance. Come on. It'll change the condition of your body. Come on, works the same today as it did then. Right. Amen. And so she's, she's lit up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In other words, she's, she's getting a tangible response. And that's in the power of God's going into her body. So every molecule, every part of her body, boom, hit her. Right? And she had been sick for how many years? 12 years. 12 years, she'd been sick and was getting worse. And only one touch of faith. Imagine how frustrated the devil would be if he'd been trying to kill somebody for 12 years and one touch. Listen, and it really was not a touch initiated by Jesus. All right, I said, it wasn't, a, it wasn't Jesus. Like, he didn't select her out of the crowd. She's the one. Amen. And one touch, and immediately the power of God's working in her body. She knew she was healed of that plague. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then the last thing is, she told the whole story. Now, that's been in the New Testament here, right, for a long time. Probably more people have been healed from one woman when Jesus told her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. So Dad Hagen said the Lord told him, if her faith made her whole, then your faith will make you whole. Praise the Lord. Come on now. Come on. How many of you got a measure of the God kind of faith? Come on. You got a measure. You got the substance. How do you enrich that substance? And how do you release that substance? One of this, your blood is a classic cross-section of a miracle. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so Dad Hagen simply told the Lord, he said, well, Lord, um, I, uh, I've got two different sermons on Mark chapter 5, the one that's your blood. He said, I've got two different sermons. But every time I preach that sermon, seems like there's something I'm missing. Now, if you're a preacher... And you're teaching or preaching. In your spirit, you know if you're missing. So don't ignore that. In other words, the Lord will give you further light and further revelation. What, really not for your sake, but for who you're teaching and ministering to. And once they get further light and revelation, then they're going to receive Amen? So that you say, well, you're doing, you know, your regular run on whatever sermon you do. And then Jesus said, well, you are missing something. Amen? All right, don't look at anybody right now, but say, you are missing something. 
So, so he said, you are missing something. <laughs> he had two pretty good sermons, he thought. He said, but Jesus said, um, uh, get you a piece of paper out. He said, and write on the paper, one, two, three, four. And he said, what? He said, if anybody anywhere will take these four steps or put these four principles in operation, because some are steps and some are principles. Put these four steps in operation, or these principles. Then he said, uh, anybody will receive whatever they want or need from the Lord, not only healing, but anything else. That's what Jesus told him. So he titled that message, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. You know what that means? That means Jesus basically signed the check and told you to fill it out. All right, let's just try this out. I said, Jesus basically signed the check and said, you fill it out. So you would call that the authority of the believer, but those four steps, y'all still here? Come on, four steps. Well, when I was probably 17 years old, I heard him preach that sermon, how to write your own ticket with God. So I got me a piece of paper out, and I said, right, one, two, three, four. Now put it at the top, if anybody anywhere will take these four steps, put these four principles, they always receive whatever they want or need from the Lord, not only healing, but anything else. All right. If you want to make a nuclear bomb, you have to pay attention. <laughs> you can't like just throw a bunch of stuff together and say, well, it ought to work. Now, you have to have stuff in the right place. <laughs> Amen. And so God makes it so simple here that really he said anybody can do it. Whosoever shall have whatsoever. Amen. Have faith in God. So Jesus told that woman, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say my power. Come on. He didn't say I chose he said, it is your faith, it's something you did, something you said that enabled you to receive the power of God. Y'all believe in the power of God? Anybody believe in the power of God? Come on, I was in one meeting years ago, and, and there was a guy in there kind of, you know, we laid hands on some people, and he was kind of like mocking and stuff a little bit, a little snickering, you know. So I said, uh, come up here, brother. <laughs> And so I was fixing to lay hands on him, but I never, never laid hands on him. I just raised my hand like that, and the power of God knocked him back about 10 feet, and he was laying on the floor flat on his back. I said, there is a God, and he has some power. And I started laughing. He said, well, it, it ain't funny. I said, it is to me. So uh, <laughs> in other words, there is some power, come on, but, but faith activates that power. So four things, and number one, he asked that, Hagen, he, Jesus asked him and said, uh, uh, what's the first thing that woman did? What's the first thing? What's the first thing she did? And uh, he said, she heard of Jesus. That's the first thing. And Jesus said, no. Well, I mean, obviously, you would say the same thing, probably, right? And that's your problem is everything ain't obvious. <laughs> and when you assume way too much. So here, Jesus, no. And uh, 
So he asked him, he said, what's the first thing she did? And Brother Hagin said, I do not have a clue. You might as well just go ahead and say that and let the Lord tell you what the answer is, right? I don't have a clue. Because you would think that's the first thing she did is she heard of Jesus. He said, and Jesus said, no, that's not the first thing she did. Somebody else did that. What's the first thing she did after she heard of Jesus? He said, that's what determines what you do after you hear the word determines what you are going to have. So what's the first thing she did after she heard of Jesus, right? Number one, what's the first thing she did? She said, all right, praise the Lord. In other words, one time one of Brother Hagin's Holy Ghost meetings, uh, um, um, he said this, what happens next depends on what happens now. All right, so what happens next depends on what happens now. In other words, you've heard of Jesus or you've heard the word, and what's the first thing that you need to do after you have heard the word? She said. In other words, the initial act of faith is the speaking part of faith. So she said, not only did she say, but you'll see that it means she continually kept on saying, so if you would have passed this woman on the, on the road, she's headed to where Jesus is. If you would have passed her, you would have heard what? She's saying. She's saying. And she's weak. Come on, 12 years, getting worse. But now her faith is starting to work. We have gotten up to 3% civilian uh, in other words, there's something working, right? But she's still not healed, but her, her faith is speaking. Come on, speaking. And so uh, what's the next thing she did? Number two, the next thing she did is she acted. She acted. So she got up and started moving. She acted. In other words, faith must have corresponding action. You could just sit on the couch and keep saying what you want. But come on, that's, that's, that is an um, <laughs> enriching process. Amen. But she started moving. She was probably very weak. She started moving. What's the next thing she did? Well, when she got there, she didn't have no reservation, so she just pressed through the crowd. <laughs> Amen. If Jesus would have had better bodyguards, she probably would have never made it in there. <laughs> but she's out of protocol here, you know, being a woman and being what's her condition. So she, she just refused to quit, right? So she, she just kept on pushing. You know, she might have said, excuse me or excuse me, excuse me, push somebody. She's pressing through the crowd. Pressing means you ain't going to get it if you just stand there. Amen. So if we're international somewhere and, and we're in an airport or something, uh, and Trina, she's, she's the nicest person you ever meet. So I, I tell her, get behind me and let me show you how to get to the front. Because <laughs> if you just kept letting everybody get in front of you, you're gonna, you'll be standing out there and miss your plane. So, and, they don't, and if you're international, there is some pushing going on. So I said, just grab my coat. Excuse me. Excuse me. I am here. 
I'm going to smack your little mouth if you don't get off of me. So in other words, I'm not going to be passive about it. Sometimes you have to press and press and push for that miracle. Come on now. Excuse me. I am here. Come on. I came to receive. Amen. And so for her to receive, her faith is released in a point of contact. What's the point of contact? Her point of contact is I just need to touch the hem of his garment because she must have heard that everyone that touches him gets healed. Amen. So she released her faith. So she must have heard people get healed just by touching him. Well, not necessarily in that case, everybody touched me to get healed. But she had faith and she pressed through the crowd and released her faith. And as soon as she touched him, what happened? Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. And that anointing, come on, was in him and on him, but apparently it was not activated until faith touched him. Man, when she touched him, power. She was healed in a picosecond. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, so when you say, I have faith, you're going to live by faith. Well, there's several facets of faith, faith in God, faith in the blood of Jesus, what Christ has done for you, faith in the name of Jesus. Come on, faith in the word of God, mixing faith with the word. Amen. And then faith in the power of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So the power of God is present. Come on, even the guy that knocked the hole in the roof. Power of God was present while Jesus was teaching and it's present here right now. While Jesus was teaching, said the power of God was present, right? But who's in the crowd? Luke chapter 5. Who's in the crowd? Man, you got like the Pharisees. You got doctors of the law. So, so this is really some what you'd call educated unbelief. There is ignorant unbelief, but this is what you call educated unbelief. In other words, these are people who, who know the Scriptures. But they're not getting nothing. What are they doing? They're basically, uh, you know, criticizing. Well, if he's Jesus, he's got all that anointing power. I don't feel nothing. Well, uh, that's why you don't feel nothing, not hit. So, so in other words, they're not receiving the anointing or the power of God. So they're really there to criticize him. Right? And then on top of the roof, here comes faith. I always say this guy with four crazy friends, here comes faith. You know, there's no room in there, but faith cannot be stopped. They got there, went on the roof, and knocked a hole in the roof. So four of his friends, amen? So in this case, faith is a team sport. In other words, Everything about faith is not just an individual's faith. There's some things that you've got four crazy friends that love you and care enough for you to help you get on top of the roof, knock a hole in the roof, and let you down right in his presence. I like what Lillian B. Yeoman said. This, this uh, unlearned, ignorant man almost fell on the reverent heads of the Pharisees. They had to scurry around to get out of the way because here comes an unlearned, ignorant man, and these people know all the Scriptures. Are you all still with me? So sometimes people, they know a lot of Scriptures. All right, let's try this out. I said they know a lot of Scriptures. 
Come on, these are doctors of the law. Right? And so here, here he comes down, and it says, what does it say in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 5? What did he, uh, he said, it says, when he saw their faith. So he saw their faith. So faith makes a sound, but faith also can be seen. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. Amen. So sometimes, how would you act if you already had the thing you're believing for is, is really something that you could say, and you begin to act. Well, you're activating, you know, tremendous power. So when he knocked a hole in the roof, he saw their faith, and then he said to the man that's paralyzed, what did he say to him? He said, your sins are forgiven you. Well, that's what got the Pharisees uh, ticked off. Come on, who has power on earth to forgive sins? Say, you know, God only. Jesus said, to show you that I have power to forgive sins. All right, let's try that one more time. Jesus said, I'm just going to show you I've got the power to forgive sins. He said to the man, stand up on your feet. And he leaped and walked, took his bed, walked out. And it says, they said, we have seen strange things today. So, to show you have power to forgive sin, and if Jesus says you're forgiven, it really don't matter what anybody else says about the situation if he says you're forgiven. It really don't even matter what you think about it. If Jesus said you're forgiven, you are forgiven, so you might as well receive the forgiveness and forgive yourself. Are y'all serious? If Jesus said your sins are forgiven you, come on. And so apparently that guy needed to hear that. Same package, forgives all of our iniquities, heals all of our diseases. Amen, because a sense of guilt or sin will make you feel like you're unworthy and will keep your faith from working. So Jesus, first of all, spoke to the inward man, and then he spoke to the outward man. So it said, he said, your sins are forgiven you. What if Jesus told you, said, your sins are forgiven you? Well, he did. <laughs> your sins are forgiven you. So you know if anybody else is bringing them up, that ain't coming from Jesus. Right? Because <laughs> he said, your sins are forgiven you. Amen. This is an old covenant forgiveness. Come on. A new covenant is blood washed. Amen. Redeemed by the blood, new covenant, better covenant. So he says that not only are your sins forgiven, he said, but God said, I won't even remember your sins. But really, he said that in Isaiah in the Old Testament, I won't remember your sins. But in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, and I'll remove it from your conscience. So really, in the new covenant, God says, I do not remember your sins. In the new covenant, he says, and you don't have to remember it either. In other words, you're not only forgiven, but sin consciousness is removed by the power of the blood of Jesus. So anytime you're feeling like a failure, come on, feeling like you're not approved or feeling like you're rejected or feeling like you're unworthy, come on, then you just got to bring up Jesus said, come on, by his blood, I'm not only forgiven, but I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ by that blood and removes not only sin, but removes the stain and the guilt of sin so that even sin consciousness, which means in the new covenant, 
you're redeemed from sin consciousness. All right, let's try that one more time. I said, in the new covenant, you're redeemed not only just from sin, but in the new covenant, he said, you're redeemed from sin consciousness. Any sense of guilt or failure, come on, or unworthiness, come on, that will hinder your faith. But the moment the blood is applied, you say, "Woo, glory to God, I'm washed in the blood, amen? I'm redeemed by the blood. I overcome by the blood. What's happening here? My faith in the blood is being exercised right now. Amen. I have access by the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Then I throw in a few other things. You know, I say, I'm blood blessed. Why? Because the blood covenant. Amen. And the, when you take communion, the cup of the blood is the cup of blessing. So I'm blood blessed. What does that mean? Well, it don't really matter a whole lot of what I did or didn't do. It's because of the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed from the curse and I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Hallelujah. I'm not only forgiven, but I am 100% righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I have no sense of sin, guilt, or inferiority. I'm redeemed by the blood. And so the blood wash, come on, he washes your genes. Come on, molecules. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So once you see a cross section of how a miracle takes place or how faith works, Mark chapter 5 is very clear, very clear. All right, then you go to Luke chapter 5. This is really the introduction to my message. I'm going to get to my real message in a minute. So, so once, once in Luke chapter 5, I hope you brought a sandwich. But once, once in Luke chapter 5, Jesus saw their what? He saw their faith. So what would he be looking for today? What would he be listening for today? Faith. Because you can hear faith and you can see faith. Praise the Lord. So when he saw their faith, he said, all right, so listen, what was he saying before he said that? Because it says he was teaching. So what was he saying before he said that? Well, he's teaching. Right? So he must have been teaching something along the lines of uh, Luke chapter 4. Amen. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel, you know, preach deliverance. And so he, he's talking and he's teaching, you know, and things in Mark chapter 4, teaching things about faith. And while he's teaching, power of God is present to heal them. So think about how much power was available to heal them, but none of them got healed except for him. One guy, y'all still with me? One guy, come on, you ought to say, I'm going to be that guy. That's the guy I'm going to be right there. I'm at that end. Yeah, I know that. So, so <laughs> just be careful who you stand in front of, right? So I said, I am, I'm that person. Did that work? person. All right, I'm that person. And so the rest of them didn't get nothing, but one person had four crazy person friends, and we, we don't know for sure if there was any, any of the other kind in there, but four friends took him up on the roof, knocked a hole in the roof. What was Jesus doing? He's probably teaching what you and I would call uh, doctrinal truth. Right? He's teaching doctrinal truth, but when he saw their faith, it became personal. 
And he said, now let me tell you something personally. So once you mix faith with, with the revelation of the word, then that's when Jesus says, I'm going to tell you something personal. What did he do? He turned to that man and said, your sins are forgiven you. And then what did he say? Take up your bed and walk. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I'm forgiven, and I'm healed. Come on, the same faith. Come on, connected both things. I'm forgiven, and I'm healed. Hallelujah. He says, take up your bed and walk. Man leaped and walked. Hallelujah. What happened? His faith accessed the power of God for him personally. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. All right, so now we're talking about ever-increasing faith, which Paul said to the Thessalonians. He said, your faith grows exceedingly, or your faith is increasing. And so Dad Hagen said this. Uh, he said, I'd be concerned if my faith was not increasing. All right, let's try this sign over here. I'd be concerned. <laughs> I'd be concerned. If I'm not getting better results this year than I did last year. I mean, I'd be concerned. What does that mean? I'm going to have to go back to the cross section here and see exactly how faith works. Amen. Praise the Lord. So in, in, the, in the football area, uh, what's the, the, the old football coach, you know, won the championships. They got all kinds of quotes about Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. And he coached uh, Green Bay Packers. So they had lost every game the season before. And these are professional football players. They had lost every game the season before. So Vince Lombardi getting them ready for the next season. They said he got a football out and he got the team together and he said, now, this is a football. Y'all still here? Now, this is a football. Well, who's he talking to? Professionals who think they know a lot about football. They just lost every game. All right, let's try it one more time. Huh? Come on now. Huh? Come on, those people, come on. That people think they're already professional somehow, you know. But how come you keep losing every game, you knothead? In other words, this is a football. Amen. And so you go right back to the fundamentals. And whoever does the fundamentals best is the one that wins. Amen. And when you get to the Super Bowl, come on, you don't get there because you got some little cute thing going on. Fundamental. This is a football. It is a game of inches. Oh, you think, well, I've got to get 100 yards. Come on, he says, a game of inches, and you fight for every inch. <laughs> All right. And so as a coach, Come on, he's giving these lessons out on the fundamentals of football, and they end up winning a championship. So a lot of times, you know, we assume that we know more than we actually know. Praise the Lord. I got two nods. Hallelujah. Amen. 
and we're almost embarrassed if somebody wants to take us back to the fundamentals and we almost turn them halfway off. But it's the fundamentals of faith and how faith works. And understanding that, I thought, well, if I could get the fundamentals down, anybody, come on, can have whatsoever. Amen. If I could just get the fundamentals down, amen, if I'm losing, I'm going to have to go back and find out what I'm not doing right. Right? So you get into the fundamentals, and if anybody anywhere will take these four steps, they will always receive whatever they want or need from God, not only healing, but anything else. Are y'all still here? Come on. You said, but I'm a professional. I've already gone through the high school level. I've already gone through the college level, and now I'm professional. No, you are a loser. Y'all still here? In other words, you say, well, I've been in church 30 years. Why is he talking to me like about faith? Because it don't matter how long you've been in church. In other words, for your faith to win, you've got to go back and, and let the Lord say, let me show you something. Praise God. Amen. So he says to the Thessalonians, your faith grows exceedingly. All right, so how do you enrich your faith? Let me finish up with this. In, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, he said, you receive the word, not like a man's talking to you, but like God himself is talking to you personally. Wow, amen, y'all still ready? Amen, y'all still got this? You wanna, you wanna leave? He said, you receive the word, and your faith grows exceedingly, but you receive the word, not like, oh, that's old brother so-and-so. He's, he's a nice preacher. I like him. He tells a joke every now and then. So, so he said, you receive the word. Come on. Or somebody see a young preacher. That's a young preacher. I'm sure glad to see him. No. You receive the word. How did you receive the word? Like God is talking to you. Come on. You ain't sitting there saying, I wonder where you got them sandals. Listen. No, you receive the word. Like God's talking to you. Woo! Amen. And he said, you receive that word, and that word works mightily. Well, one translation says it releases its superhuman power. Come on, the power's there. You receive the word. How did you receive the word? Like God's talking to you. What did James say? You receive with meekness the engrafted word. When? Well, when you first get saved? No, for the rest of your life. See, with meekness. Then he calls it what? The engrafted word. All right, let's try it one more time. You receive the engrafted word. The word has the same DNA as your spirit. Because your spirit came from God and that word came from God. So your spirit is designed to where the word of God can be engrafted into you. If you weren't the same DNA, you could not receive the engrafted word. You could learn it, but the word can go further than your intellect. It can actually be engrafted into you. Amen? So we learned that with uh, Dylan, our grandson, when, he, when, when Gavin's stem cells were engrafted into him, he received them, right? But then the doctor said, now in the next two weeks or three weeks, we're going to examine his blood and see how much of his blood is Dylan's and how much is Gavin's. And it was several weeks. He said, we're going to reexamine and we'll see. He just kept, kept 
And they kept looking. They kept looking, and they'd come back and say, "Here's uh, he's at 60% or something to say how much of Gavin's stem cells and how much of Dylan's. So then we do it again. And then after we did it for a few weeks, the doctor came out smiling and said, now Dylan is 100% Gavin. All right, let's try it again. Come on, you heard the word. Come on, on Wednesday morning, and we're going to keep checking your blood. Come on. We trust that within a few weeks, come on, we'll say, now you are 100% word. In other words, come on, there's not, none of you left in there. The word got engrafted into you, so you will say, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. Glory to God. and Praising God. And in the praising, come on, and in the praying in the Holy Ghost, come on, you're going from 3%, 10%, 20%, come on, and we're going up to weapons grade. Weapons grade. Explosive power. Praise the Lord. Amen. But that means you take your faith serious enough. Let's try it again. I said you take your faith serious enough that you learn how faith works, how it's enriched, Praise the Lord. Make adjustments when you have to. You know, the illustration I always give is, uh, is when uh, my <laughs> West Virginia guy, what's his name, uh, Yeager, Chuck Yeager. These are West Virginia folks here. So they got Chuck Yeager Airport in um, West Virginia, Charles. So I almost got to meet him. You know, I had to go preach down in Logan. And then he was there, and he's about 95 or something, 98. They had a little wheelchair to push him around. Well, he's the first man to break the sound barrier, so... So I'm like, you know, I want to meet this guy. So I've studied his life, you know, and, and uh, so I found out he's going to be there. I said, well, i got to go preach. They said, well, we don't know if he'll be here when you get back. So they, they tried, you know, to make sure he would be there. And they said, well, he's, you know, 95, so you know, it wasn't really the best weather. And so I said, well, I'll try it. So you know, I came back and they said, well, he, he had to leave. Well, he's first man to break the sound barrier. Right, and once he broke that barrier, he went Mach two after you break Mach one, right, and uh, then Mach three. Come on, and then now they'll go Mach ten, but he's the first one to go Mach one. But for that to happen, you know, they put him in this jet, you know, and drop him down. I've got a model of it in my office, uh, and so then he would go up, fly, and take off that engine, and it would go a jet engine. He would go. Um, 500, 600, and the thing would start to rattle so much that they would, you know, they had all these theories about what happens if you go Mach 1. Some of the theories were you would just explode because nobody's ever done it before. So Chuck Yeager said the, the real barrier to break the sound barrier, the real barrier was not in the sky, but it was in our knowledge of supersonic flight. So what some people think is their real barrier is not their real barrier. Your real barrier is in revelation knowledge of the plan of redemption and what Jesus has done for you. Once you can break that barrier, come on, you can go and you can break Mach 1, right? So the day he, he broke the sound barrier and had a sonic boom and everybody on the ground actually thought he was dead and there he comes back around. It's a great story anyway. So um, after he did that, but they asked him, what was it like to fly supersonic? First man never did. What was it like? He said, it was like sipping lemonade on the front porch. 
Every time I sip lemonade, come on, I, I think about Chuck Yeager. In other words, there's some barriers that God wants you to break that it looks impossible that you could ever break that barrier. Come on, but once revelation knowledge of money, you get, you get that you're, come on, enriched, come on, in your faith. Come on, when you break that barrier, you'll say, that was a lot easier than I thought. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God wants some of us to break some barriers, and all those barriers are not just for our benefit. Some there, some on it'll make a difference in somebody else's life if you can break that barrier. Amen. Because you become a testimony. If her faith made her whole, then your faith will make you whole. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what happened next? Well, what happened next? He didn't just sit around, you know, after that sip lemonade. He said, let's go for Mach 2. All right, let's try it again. I said, let's go for Mach 2. Man, that means the Spirit of God's in you. You're expecting better results. He's expecting going to some new territory. Hallelujah. Amen. My faith in God, my faith in the Word of God, my faith in the blood, come on, my faith in the indwelling Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that lives in us. Praise the Lord. Thank God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Break some barriers. How are you going to do that? Well, here's the football. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Get after it. Amen. Here's the football. Praise the Lord. Having faith in God. How faith works. Amen. Well, that's the introduction of what I was going to teach this morning. So um, I guess I'll have to come back next year so I can finish. I will study faith next year. Praise the Lord. So you got uh, your assignment in, the, in between. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Ghost who's our teacher and our helper. Lord, we thank you for fresh revelation of your word, fresh application of your word, that we're doers of the word, not hearers only, that the word is engrafted on the inside of us, that we are one with that word. Thank you for that word. You said, according as your divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we are partakers of the divine nature, and we escape the corruption that's in this world through lust. Woo, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right, anybody learn anything this morning? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. You, do you have a little microphone there, Tim? So m maybe you could like give give it to somebody and let them say something they learned, maybe a sentence or two or something. All right. Praying in the Spirit is the enriching process for building up your faith. Yeah, it, it, it is absolutely an enriching process. The other enriching process is how you receive the Word, which would include meditating on, on the Word. Yes, Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. What was that? Every breakthrough in faith comes from a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. Where are you going to get revelation knowledge from? That's really a good question. You're going to get it, number one, from the Word. Amen. But you're also going to get it from supernatural relationships. 
The Lord told me one time, he said, there's important things you need to know that I will not tell you. If I told it to someone you're supposed to be in a relationship with, you'll have to get it from them. All right, now listen to that. This is what the Lord told me. He said, there's important things you need to know, like breakthroughs and revelation. He said, I will not tell you. If I assigned you, in my case, to Dad Hagen, you'll have to get it from him. I told him, now if you don't honor that, you just have to do without. In other words, you don't just honor the revelation knowledge, you honor who's bringing it to you. Amen. He said, you do that, you'll have a breakthrough in Revelation. So I just paid attention, man. I said, I'm going to go pay attention to him. I'm going to study, but I'm paying attention to him because he could just say one sentence to help me make an adjustment to break a barrier. Yes, Amen. All right. Anybody else? What you do after you hear the word will determine the outcome. What you do after you hear the word. <laughs> What's the first thing she did? She said. All right. Anybody else? Receive the word like God is talking to you. Receive the word like it is, the word of God. Like it's God talking to you. I mean, they're speaking the word, and you say, wow. In other words, you, you don't get distracted. I don't even like any distractions. You know, and, and so if, if it's in my power to do it, I will stop it. <laughs> if it's your kids, then you will have to stop it. Amen. Or whoever it is that come in to distract people from hearing the word, you're stopping them from receiving a miracle. So not just for your sake, but for other people's sake, you provide as, as least distraction as possible in your services. Yes. Somebody said, well, you think you're all that? No, I think the word is all that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're going to pay attention, amen? So I don't get mean about it, but if it's my church, you know, I will make sure the distractions are reduced. If it's in my power to do it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, so I'm writing my ticket here. So she said, continually said, she acted, she pressed through. She acted. What was number four? She, the third one is she received. She received, okay. So number one is she said, and then number two, she acted. Then number three, she felt in her body, she received the anointing. Power okay. God. And then the last one is she told it. Told so you got saying and telling on both ends of your faith makes you whole. Okay. All right, so both, both ends have involved the speaking. The major barriers are in our revelation, knowledge, and thoughts. So if we can change our thinking, we can change True. anything here on earth. Yeah, you can change because uh, you receive that word. And, he's, and he says it's able to save your soul. And, and the word save means deliver and heal, restore your soul, it's your mind, your will, and emotion. He said, and then you are a doer of that word. So he says he's already given us everything that pertains to life of God is through the knowledge of him. So every breakthrough would come from revelation knowledge, you're thinking. Amen. Come on. So if you're facing something that looks impossible, first of all, there is no such thing. But if you're facing something that looks impossible, <laughs> amen, then you, you, you listen, receive the word. If you've been assigned, you know, to this church, the Lord said, that's where you fit. You just be here every chance you can be here. You just make sure you're here. You say, why? Because this is an assignment, right? So there's certain things. Wherever God's put a supernatural relationship in your life, and you say, that's where there's a supply of faith and a supply of the word, then you take, make it your business. Amen. 
to be around that as often as you can. Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. going on with oh. you in your body. Yeah. I, ever since Sunday, I have had, I had a, a, my back was hurting. But last night, you know, I didn't realize it at first. I didn't realize until the service was over with. I didn't have no backache. Praise See, Lord. because I had forgot about, I, I, didn't, I didn't dwell on it. Well, I, I looked about in the crowd and I saw your countenance. So Woo! I said, she, I know she got it. <laughs> I, studied the, I studied the faces in the crowd and I said, she got it. Yes, thank you. Amen. Jesus. Come on. I mean, in other words, if you receive that anointing, it'll change your countenance, change your body. All right, who's next? Sorry. The Word of God can be grafted into you. The Word of God can be grafted into you. Hey, well, that's really good for a little girl there. The Word. It's a spiritual thing, and it can actually be engrafted into your spirit. Yes. You may think you know everything about the game, but sometimes you need to restart with the basics. Yeah, even the professionals have to go back over the basics. <laughs> right, anybody else? Praise the Lord. Everybody's happy? Did anybody else learn anything today? Uh, anybody, anybody learn something you might have forgot? Yes. The reason the word can be engrafted into you is because it has the same DNA yeah, as my spirit. It, it came from God, and you have the spirit of God in you. So, in other words, to say it this way, I mean, I forget what St. Nick's dog's name is right off. What's his name? Saya Gaia. Haya. Uh, it's kind of a Pentecostal dog, I think. Haya Gaia. So, anyway, <laughs> I brought him a snack last night. So I'm going to bring him some bacon tonight after church. I, I think he heard me say that. He, like, he loves bacon. Anyway, so the point is the reason that dog can't receive the word. He has no spirit. He has a soul and a body. He does not have the life of God in him. You are a higher level of creation. Your spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. So you have the same life or DNA in your spirit. Yeah. Amen. But also a sinner that would be in the human kind mm -hmm. are spiritually dead. So they do not have the same DNA. Right. So you would hear the word different than they would hear it. Yeah. They would hear it, boom. You would hear it, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So All right. Who, who else? Um, also with the engrafting, when Dylan, you know, they were checking it, the engrafting process and yeah. how it was changing. So the same way you keep looking at the you word keep and the word, seeing, yeah. is it, am I? And, and it? then <laughs> actually it, same DNA. So the, so this would be a part of your identification with Christ because they said to uh, us that if Gavin and Dylan now have the same DNA, so that if Gavin committed a crime, Dylan could be convicted for it because they have the same identical DNA in the blood. All right. So what happened to Jesus on the cross 
in his death and resurrection, and that blood flows inside you. You were there. Come on. You, the, the DNA you got in you was there in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It makes you a new creature in Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I'm about finished here. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Okay, y'all all happy? All right, let's receive offering, I guess. Take an offering envelope. If you cannot be here tonight, maybe. Some people cannot be here in the night services. If you'd like to give, the Bible says when you receive instruction in the Word of God to share all good things with your teachers. And the purpose for that is that you give value to that Word in your life by saying, I would like to give. In other words, the word is more valuable to me than my money. And so when he said, when you receive instruction in the word, Paul said in Galatians 6, 6, share all good things. And so he said, support uh, where you receive that word. So that does a couple of things. Number one, it changes the way you receive the word. You understand? Because the apostle Paul wrote Galatians 6, 6. And we know he was willing to be a tent maker. So he wasn't trying to get money from nobody. But Corinthians is the one place Paul said, forgive me for doing you wrong that I did not receive any offerings while I was there. It's the one place he had to apologize to a church because he said, well, I want to be self-sufficient. I don't want nobody to think I'm after their money. But God said, now you have to apologize to them because you cheated them out of a blessing. So he says the Philippians... He said, you were the only ones that gave once and gave again so the gospel could be preached all over the world. He said, and your giving came up before God, and now my God shall supply all your needs. So then he goes, same thing in 2 Corinthians. So Paul had to change the way he thought about the tithe of the offering or giving in response to how you hear the word. Because once you get revelation knowledge of the word, it will change your life forever. So he says, What's the most valuable thing? Well, where the treasure is, you know, that's where your heart is. So he said, when you receive the word, you give back to where you received it. It'll do two things. Number one, your giving will affect your heart the way you receive the word. Number two, you'll say, Lord, I thank you for that revelation. I'd like to make sure somebody else gets it. Y'all understand that? So, so Paul's not trying to manipulate anybody for money. He's just saying, it's going to affect you more than it's going to affect me. All right, let's try it again. He said, your giving's going to affect you more than it's going to affect me. Amen. So that's why if I'm even in Papua New Guinea or somewhere, people are very, very poor, then I will still receive an offering. It, it's not going to change me much. But when they give, it's going to change how they receive the word. And so now they'll say, we want to give because we want to be a partner everywhere that word goes. All right, praise God. You understand that? So if you gave, you know, you've been given all week. So if you're uh, not able to be here in the night service or you're not able to hear tonight, it's the last night, and you just say, word's been a blessing to me. I want to give so somebody else can get it. In other words, the Lord said to me this way. He said, you can steal information, but you cannot steal revelation. Like somebody will say, well, whew, I got into church. You know, I missed the offering. Whew, that was, sure was a good sermon. Whew, I didn't even have to give nothing. You stole information. You cannot steal revelation. Amen. So it's not a certain amount. It's just in proportion to your ability or in proportion to how the word's been a blessing to you. Amen.
Y'all know that already? Anyway, so that's why we're receiving an offering this morning, uh, but we'll 